Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Emily McGinley. You can talk about me using the pronouns she, her, and hers, and I serve as the executive pastor. It is so good to be with you this morning, and particularly this morning as we um, look to this passage about what it means to be named, known, and sent out by God um, after having done our hard work. And so um, as we delve into our passage for today, um, let's begin with a word of prayer. God, we give you thanks for the gift of time together to um, think more deeply about not only who you are, but who we are in you. And so as we look to this passage today, we ask that your spirit would journey with us, um, helping us to see and understand and know in ways that we hadn't known before um, for the sake of living more fully into being those people that you have created and called us to be, um, but also for the sake of a world that needs to know and be filled with people who understand themselves more deeply rooted in who you are. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. In our passage for today, we are meeting Jacob uh, right at the intersection of his past and his future. If you're familiar with Jacob's story, then you would know that he is one half of a twin set. His brother Esau, having emerged from his mother's womb and with Jacob's hand gripping his foot, is older by about 15 seconds. And while Esau is bigger and stronger and later we learn on hair, uh, later on we learn hairier, <clears throat> he is no match of wits for Jacob. They are inverse images of one another. Esau is all brawn and no brains and Jacob is all brains and no brawn. And as they grow up, they are in constant competition with one another, each capitalizing on the strengths and skills that he has to try to get on top. But throughout it all, Esau is assured a privileged perch by virtue of his eldest son status, which means he is guaranteed to inherit his, uh, their father Isaac's birthright and blessing. Now, if you've been following the soap opera that is God's promise played out with Isaac and his father, Abraham, you'll know that this birthright is a promise to be the lineage through which a whole nation will emerge and multiply under God's care and direction. And Jacob wants this birthright. So with the help of his mother, Rebecca, and a bit of goat hair, he manages to fool his elderly father, whose failing eyesight and imminent death uh, set just the right circumstances so that Jacob, that Jacob needs in order to do his brother dirty. He snatches that birthright just before Esau returns from a day of hunting, and it isn't long before he's fleeing for his life. He travels through the night, stopping halfway to rest in the wilderness in a place he eventually names Bethel, God's house, where he has his first mystical experience. God meets him in a dream and affirms that the birthright is now his. And so over the next roughly 15 years, Jacob has been working as hard as he could to build out his life. And after years of labor exploitation by a distant uncle and becoming the victim of a wedding night bait and switch, I told you this was a soap opera, Jacob is finally free to set out and live into that birthright. He's been able to outrun his past misdeeds, but now he can run no more. Just as he's headed into this new life, he finds himself coming up against the news that Esau is coming for him and he's bringing 400 of his best friends. And so after shepherding his family, his flock, and his servants safely across the river, river of Jabbok, Jacob again finds himself spending the night in the wilderness alone. And again, 
he encounters God's presence just as he did in Bethel. But this time, instead of a dream, instead of an internal spiritual shift, Jacob encounters God in an undeniably physical way. A divine stranger comes upon him and is here to take him down. Now, scholars have different opinions about who this stranger is. Is it God? Is it an angel? Is it a spiritual representative of Esau? No matter who it is, and even though Jacob is no warrior, he manages to hold his own throughout the night as they grapple. Dawn is approaching and they are at a stalemate and the stranger tries to take him down with kind of one last debilitating blow to the hip, but Jacob holds on tight. Not until you bless me, he says. And with that, Jacob is given a new name, Israel, which means one who wrestles with God. It is the name of his birthright, his blessing, and the name of the people who will emerge from his lineage. What's in a name? And what does a name change signify? Many of us are probably most familiar with name changes that happen around life events, events like um, and milestones like marriage or divorce. I've seen friends who are children of immigrants uh, make a conscious choice to stop using their American name in exchange for the name that was given to them, which reflects the parent, their parents' culture of origin. In each case, and in so many others, there, these name changes function in a way that is similar to how we understand the sacraments, that they are an outward sign of an invisible change. At UVC, we've got plenty of folks who have experienced this kind of internal transformation that makes its way out externally, from gender transitions to adoption to simply a vehicle for understanding our whole selves better. And so I thought we'd um, hear from some of them. Uh, I invited a few folks from our church, uh, Ruby from UVC South Loop, Adam from our Hyde Park Woodlawn site, and Zadian from Edgewater to share a bit about their journeys toward their new names and what that has all meant for them. Um, my name is Ruby. Um, and um, I, I, I go to the South Loop uh, location and um, in a nutshell, um, when I, I didn't realize it until I was like 11 or 12 years old, I was different. And, and I was freaking out. And it's like, what's going on? And why am I, you know, trying on women clothes? Why am I going through this? And um, but it was something a part of me that this is who I am, and but I felt it wasn't, and I was scared for many years, and I'm 46 years old now, and um, for 30 years, I've been hiding this, and I didn't realize, I, when I was in my 20s, I didn't realize I was, um, I was attracted to both men and women, but I didn't feel right about who I was. I didn't know there was a, a name. Um, I didn't know there were other um, names out there, transgender, uh, bisexual. I knew about bisexual and gay and lesbian, but I didn't know there was transgenders, binary, non-binary, um, 
pansexual and, and so on. I didn't know that until I started um, uh, going to UBC, uh, the pride uh, parades. And so secretly I was going, looking for groups, transgender groups. And um, I found one here in Arlington Heights. I told my wife that we go to a lot of drag shows and I told her I want to do drag. So I thought that'd be a way to come out, uh, out of my shell, out of hiding, out of the shadows. Um, and so one day I was um, going to figure out, you know, what my name is going to be, who I'm going to be. And um, your drag name. Yeah, my drag name was going to be. So there's an app that could do that. Uh, you put in your your name, you know, your your uh, real name, and and it randomly picks what it's going to be. So um, I didn't like any of them. Some of them came up as Ruby with a Y and and a different last name. I think. So I showed my wife and Allison. And I said, I don't like that. And it, it finally, for a split second, that I realized my birthstone is Ruby. And my family original last name is May. And I was like, I like this. It's like, I know for a fact that God was with me the whole entire way. Um, doors start opening up. Um, you know, affirming worship. Uh, Allison and I, we go there with Darren. Darren's a good friend of ours. He's the first one I told at UBC too. And um, just cried and hugged hmm. me. It's like, Darren's the best. But I, I hid it from him for years. And, and uh, I pretend to be the straight guy for a long, long time. Once I told Darren, I started, I came to church and wrapped up, ripped off the Band-Aid and went to church as Ruby. Shocked everybody. I mean, everybody, like some people didn't want to talk to me. Some people... Like Christian's uh, wife, um, can't remember the other guy's name, but started asking me questions. No, it's not bad, but it was it was awesome to feel loved and understanding um, with a lot a lot of a lot of members. Like, what? I didn't realize you were this way. I mean, that kind of look, um, but. Um, Everybody knew who I was because my voice. Um, it took a while to get used to everybody because every, for years, I don't know how many years we were going there, two, three years, um, and they know me mm-hmm. as old self. And but um, yeah, it's UBC and Darren opened the doors for me to. Um, 
come out more. I'm wondering, you know, what is, uh, what is one um, kind of word that you've heard from your friends who are supporting you um, that, uh, that, that has carried you through um, or that you kind of, you know, recall in your mind to kind of keep you um, reminded of and rooted in God's love for you? This Sunday, this past Sunday, um, my friend Patty, um, I mentioned to her about the, um, our church UBC is doing Blessing of the Names. And, um, and she told me, you don't need to go through that, Ruby. Um, because when God created you, um, he didn't send Michael down to earth. He sent Ruby down to earth. I'm tired looking in the mirror as Michael. <laughs> um, like I said, I got, I'm, I feel stronger. I feel much happier. Well, thank you so much for sharing Ruby May. What a gift, um, what a gift this is to the church and to other folks who are joining us online, maybe for the first time. I am excited. I know that other folks at UBC are excited to journey with you as you continue through this transition. Yeah. Um, and uh, in as much as we are able, we want to be that kind of community that can sort of hold that space for you. And I hope that you are blessed by this opportunity to share a little yeah. bit of your story and, and be a, an encouragement to other folks at UBC as well. Uh, I'm Adam Jones now. And I go to UVC Urban Village Church and um, I just feel like that's like ever since I've been there, I feel like every time I go, it's like a new start for me. And so I feel refreshed and everybody else's presence too. So you recently had a name change um, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about like how that came to be, what's what's the story there? We had just got adopted. And so I just got my name. We all just got our name changed for the sake of our adoption being complete after like three years. Mm. So tell like, what was what were those three years like for you? Cause I feel like the name change is sort of the end of, of, of that journey in some ways. Um, or could you share a little bit about um, because in the story of, of Jacob, he's kind of wrestling with who God is um, and, and himself in God, right? What was the kind of um, work that you had to do um, to, to kind of th get through those three years and come to a place where you even initially said, I don't want to get my name changed, but then decided, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah, so um, those, so the first, like out of the, all the three years, the first um, times we we had like a lot of fights um physical and verbal fights and so um we after all of those fights we still have them top from time to time now but um I think after those we just like we just wanted the trouble to stop it was it was um it was difficult in some areas and it was like growing. We we were basically growing is what I'm trying to say. So from those three years, we grew all the way into this point. So we went from, um, 
we went from like um fighting to just um telling others and then we went from av- i mean staying quiet to advocating for ourselves and we went from um we went from do not doing our um not listening to our dad as much to listening to him all the time because most of the time what he was telling us we didn't really understand and now we do and mm-hmm. so it's just a fresh start for all of us I would say mm-hmm. and uh another thing um in those three years I feel like all of us grew like a big part of us all of us grew and I think that's thanks to him the church mostly the church and um just just the people that we were around like his friends family the church um and his friends from the church and everybody else like that thanks and i'm curious about how your relationship um with with them and in that role has been for you um over the past three years like our relationship me and my brother's relationship used to be like it was like like it was it was not like not that deep and um our relationship could have grown more but since those three years it has grown a lot more I used to pick on them too much and I mean I still do but um (laughs) I mean you're brothers so like (laughs) yeah and so um it's just a matter of time that changed our relationship and how strong it is. It was weakened, but but at the same time, it wasn't because throughout the um throughout this whole time we've been together, which is another ble- a blessing. And um, I say our relationship grew from those three years, and it's getting stronger as of right now. Also. Hmm. So what does it mean to be Adam Jones? Uh, it means like, <laughs> well, to me, it means um, to have an equity, uh, equitable mindset, to have positive air and be a pros- positive influence and um, to respect others in a way that I um, see that I would want to be respected also. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that, that last name of mine changing really like changed me too. And, um, well, what it means to be me is just, um, feeling, feeling more newer than your being a better version of yourself. Hmm. is basically what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Sounds like you have experienced um, kind of like a shedding, like you're like yeah. shed, kind of like a, how a snake sheds its old skin, you know, and you have this new skin that gives you an opportunity to um, respect others, but also respect yourselves in a new way. Yeah. Um, and what a gift that is. Um, what is a way that, uh, that the that you that um, that the church can be 
uh, can be church for you during the, and your brothers during this time? Uh, so late, um, recently, um, we had just me and Anne Marie, we just, um, went to a church. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it was like a church community with Hannah there. And, um, um, I think we were, we were basically, um, we were helping pack food for the homeless and for other people who didn't have food. And it was like, like, uh, it was like mostly, um, adults there helping also. And it was, um, of like a few teenagers and we, we helped in like different areas of the food. And it was like, it was like a big building where they could just walk in with a cart if they need it and then um, pick out multiple various foods that they would like. Mm -hmm. And so that time I even talked to it and talked about it in school. I felt like that, that was um, a good way of contributing to the church, helping the church and community for me. That was um, the Proviso Township Food Pantry um, service yeah. opportunity. So it sounds like maybe one of the things that um, that the church can do for you and you feel like you can do for the church is, is provide opportunities for, for service and to be active and to give back. Well, thank you so much for your willingness to share and um, let us into kind of the ways that God has been at work um, in your life and your family. Um, and uh, this is, we know that this is just the midpoint of the journey, right? If even that, yeah. um, as we get to continue to um, see you grow and flourish and, and, uh, and help, the, help the world grow and flourish in new ways too. So thanks so much, Adam. We appreciate thanks. it. No problem. Here we go. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but it's kind of interesting because I consider myself having two birthdays, right? So one is my like mm. birthday when my I was my body was born, which was two days ago. And the other one is in June, which was when Zadian was born, <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> and it's funny because the day before, like on the 23rd, I suddenly was like, you know, I don't feel the need to be Zadian anymore. I almost feel like returning to being Misha. And so that's actually kind of an interesting space that I'm in right now. Um, and yeah, that's super interesting. So, so tell me, like, what, how did you get to a place, you know, what was it that led to you changing your name? And, and now you're kind of like, in this place of like discernment again, like, do I change back? And like, what does all of that mean? What does that signify for you? You know, I remember going to the Center for Gender and Sexuality at Boston University, which is where I went to college. And, um, I couldn't see myself there because every trans person I saw was was white. And so I was thinking, oh, it's an American thing, right? I'm I'm South Asian, right? So like it I it's it's not for me. That's that's not me, but something was was there, you know? And I was like, there's gotta be something more. Spring junior year, I was like, screw it, I'm gonna take extra credits this upcoming summer so I can graduate semester early. Um, it was like, gotta do something, right? I'm so grateful I did because that led me to an acting class that summer. And what I learned from that class was that I wasn't actually in tune with my voice and that there was a clear difference between what I was feeling and what I was saying or making my body move in a certain way. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't even realize that there was a distinction because I was so used to dissociating my, myself from my interaction with the world that I thought it was just normal. 
And it was my acting teacher. Like, that's why I'm so grateful I took that class because he was the one who was able to say, you're not connecting with what you're saying. Like there, there's, there's a disjunct, <laughs> like something is off. And I was like trying to fix it. I was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? I need to fix this. Uh, after that, I was walking back home and I remember thinking, what if I changed my name? And so I was just walking along and it was, it was so momentous, Emily, because where I was walking, um, like if this is the road, um, exactly when this happened to the left of me, um, is the building where Martin Luther King Jr. became Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Is he got his um, philosophy degree at Boston University. Beyond that is um, going to the river, which is where I almost drowned myself two years earlier. Um, but it's also where my grandfather used to walk. My grandfather's first job in this country was a professor at Boston University at the medical campus. So he used to walk my mom there. Um, and that same building where MLK became MLK, Dr. MLK, um, that fall, I would argue for my senior thesis there. <laughs> and then to the right of me, going down that road was the hospital that I was sent to after I had that incident. And so I'm just like here, right at the crossroads of like past and future, but I'm not looking right or looking left and I'm not seeing straight. Instead, I see this mental image come into my head and it's um, graffiti on a gray wall in red, orange, and yellow. And I see the letters Z-A-D-I-A-N. And I said, Zadian, I've never heard that name before. <laughs> wow. Um, it, so that, there are so many pieces to that story where there's like kind of the richness of, of place and how that, um, you, it sort of located you and, and hooked you into a history that was yeah. beyond yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of curious as you, as you have been through this journey of kind of like exploring and trying to figure out like who, where am I right in this, like mm -hmm. in the, the spectrum of self um, that is possible out there. Um, you kind of mentioned that, you know, you're, you're kind of sensing like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe Zadian has lived their life. You know, what was the vehicle of Zadian? Yeah, right? I know <laughs> that's um, what I'm wondering to too. cross um, cross this river, and and what yeah. what's making you sense like, oh, this is this is a um, a bookended potentially a bookended period in my life, rather than just like new chapter into into, into infinity and beyond, right? right? Like, right. Um, yeah. So that's that's a really great question because. Um, I don't know if I was consciously thinking about it, but you know, Zadian, I think for me, I kind of realized I had divided myself because I think that I almost, and instead of like full circle, I kind of think of it as a pendulum swing, right? So here's Nisha trying to be Nisha, you know, very logical, very hardworking, but not authentically true to herself. And then I swung to Zadian, right? Which was very much spirit and theater and arts and creative. And I saw Nisha as like, blue and green and Zadian is like red and orange, right? And then, um, but Zadian wasn't really rooted in anything, which there's a time for play and exploration, but there was also a time of just like, like frantic awe, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think it was swinging so much that way. And I think um, for me, I think I had ended up over identifying with labels. I, I think Zadian almost felt the need to prove something to someone. Right, I think, I don't know, Zadian was almost too faceted, right? On the one hand, Zadian was explosive, beautiful fire energy and life, 
right? In theater and art and finger painting, and that's awesome. But on the other hand, I almost see Zadian as rooted in, in lack, right? And as in someone who is trying so hard to strive for knowing what they think they should be um, instead of just being who they are. And I think I've been doing more integration, honestly, with Nisha and Zadian. And internally, I used to see kind of like two spirits, a man spirit and a woman spirit. And sometimes I do see them still together. But now I'm just kind of realizing that, wait a minute, we're actually the same person. <laughs> and really, I think what I love about being Zadian is it allowed me to break out of myself, right? It allowed me to break out of my reality of, mm -hmm. of Nisha, who is very strong and brave and beautiful, but honestly was very trapped right was very trapped in grades and achievement and performance and work and Zadian was like why you know mm -hmm. <laughs> when I think about like even Jacob's transition mm -hmm. from Jacob to Israel um in scripture like it isn't that like from then on he's only referred to as Israel like he's mm -hmm. still referred to as, as Jacob and in fact when people remember their ancestors in the um tradition they say you know abraham isaac and jacob mm -hmm. um, so it's not abraham isaac and israel but abraham isaac and jacob and from jacob a different kind of more complicated bigger identity was able to be born named israel i think about lineage because you know i'm south asian and i thought like zadian slash nisha every person in your ancestry dating back to the indus river valley civilization right grew up on that land like you are the first person in that ancestry to not grow up on that land how could you not feel out of place i think i learned a lot from zadian right zadian um because i remember telling my acting teacher what happened and i was like but mark i don't know what zadian means right and then he said well you're zadian that's what zadian means right mm -hmm. like you're the meeting right and so I think part of it's also this notion of letting go, of knowing that I don't have to have all the answers. I don't need to know the meaning of everything. I also think, you know, if 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 woman is is night and if man is day, then I'm dusk and dawn, right? Mm. And so I, I think it kind of goes back to that notion of of inward reality and outward reality. Because for me, that's actually still true, right? I do feel very in touch with that man spirit and also that woman spirit, but accepting that that can be true inwardly and like I can be seen as a woman outwardly right mm -hmm. and I mean if someone used any pronouns like honestly I all pronouns sound equally musical to me um yeah it's really precious what God created it's amazing we're made in God's image right yeah and so if God says I am then it's like I need to focus on being mm -hmm. and so maybe that's really what this journey from Nisha to Sadie and Tanisha has been all about I hope you were as blessed as I was by those conversations it's really incredible the kind of stories that uh, make up our community and the folks who um, are willing to take these journeys that are um, not only inspiring, but also just help us understand who and how God is in the world. So thank you so much, Ruby, Adam, and Zadian for your willingness to share um, and invite us into your story um, of name change and, and what that has meant and looked like for you. The wrestling and the work that Jacob engaged in to receive his new identity was actually just the first half of his transformational process, just like what we heard from Ruby May, from Zadian, and from Adam. There was a lot of work that happened prior to the actual external change. 
Up until that point for Jacob, most of this has been private or internal. But when dawn comes and the new day has arrived, it is time for that inward change to be solidified in an outward way. Jacob gathers his things and makes his way across the river to meet Esau and his army of 400. He is ready for the worst, and he is just ready. Ready to be his whole self, Israel, one who has wrestled with God and survived. Now approaching Esau, he's limping in one leg, but his shoulders are back and his head is held high. Jacob is ready to face whatever it is that is waiting for him. And so, what overwhelming grace it must have been to see his brother running toward him, not with a sword in his hand, but a smile on his face, tears streaming from his eyes. Once again, Jacob is wrestled to the ground, this time not by an adversary, but by a brother whose love cannot be contained. Arms gripping him tightly, kisses and tears covering his face. It was more than Jacob could have ever imagined, a prodigal love from his brother. After a night of wrestling with God, whose face was unknowable in the nighttime, Jacob tells his brother, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. And isn't that the way it is when we find ourselves confronted, not with rejection, but with love and welcome. That when we see the face, that when we see the face of God in these kinds of encounters, we also see the love that God has for us. And all the more so when we have convinced ourselves that there is absolutely nothing worthy or acceptable about who we are, that grace is all the more abundantly felt. We don't know what happened on Esau's side. We don't know what the last 15 years have contained for him, what his own journey through bitterness to healing has looked like, or whether he had his own nighttime visitor the night before. But what we do know is that Esau has done his work too, and that these two brothers, once so bitterly divided against one another, have been restored and reconciled. In the end, after a sweet reunion and reconciliation, after catching up on all that has been, Esau and Jacob go their own ways. They don't become BFFs. We don't know if they even keep in touch. But what we do know is that the fear and courage which made this encounter possible enabled them to heal and live lives that are liberated from fear, bitterness, shame, and anger. As we wrap up our sermon series on the names of God, we are reminded that while God's names are many, our name will always be beloved, no matter how much we have to wrestle with God to know that. We may walk away limping, but we will walk away whole. And if there's anything that Jacob and Esau's story can show us today, it's that there is no relationship that can't find its way to healing. And for that, I say, thanks be to God.